Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. Where do you put your money when you see a market pullback as we did in the US markets uh, last week? Since the first S REIT listed in 2002, the Singapore REIT's popularity in Singapore has grown so much. The sector is known for its high yield and its low volatility. Today, we take the temperature of the S REIT sector. The five biggest heavyweights of the iEdge S REIT Leaders Index are Ascendus REIT, Maple Tree Logistics Trust, Maple Tree Commercial Trust, Maple Tree Industrial Trust, and Keppel DC REIT. Keppel DC REIT is what we're going to take a closer look look at in this show the i edge s reit index down a thousand uh, down 0.49 percent to 1318.95 this morning today i've invited ken fung equity analyst at morning star to help us take stock of the s reit space how are you ken Hi, good morning, Michelle. I'm good. What about you? I am doing well and glad to have you back on the show. All right, Ken, let's take a step back. In terms of the earnings calendar that has uh, rolled out recently, can you help our listeners take stock of the earnings that you've seen so far? Who are the winners? Who's ahead? Who's behind on the S-REIT index in your books this year? Well, in terms of the S-REIT coverage, the performance year-to-date is around minus 5%. And we have seen the winner among the industrial space up around 10 to 20 percent. The office space is down by around 15 percent. Retail also similarly around down by around 10 to 20 percent. And hospitality REIT has continued to underperform given all the uncertainties related to COVID-19 and travel restrictions. That is not a surprise to us, and it's down around 30% year-to-date. Ken, can you share your outlook for the value plays as you see it in certain sectors? Let's start with the hospitality sector. Well, with the hospitality sector, we think that the recovery should take some time, given that now we are seeing um, gradual easing in terms of um, travel restriction, and also there is the... um, gradual opening of the economy and the staycation um, trend. So we think that for hospitality, it should take some time to recover and it could take up to 2022 or up to 2023 for it to go back to pre-COVID level. And a part of it depends on when would the vaccine be available and also when can um, people travel safely again. But in terms of the near-term outlook, for hospitality, it will be supported by those um, hotels that have been used for the um, stay-home notice um, facilities and also for staycation purposes. And also this is um, mainly supported by domestic travel. Mm. Yeah, on that theme, we know that Singapore and South Korea most recently launched a fast lane arrangement for essential business and official travel. Brunei has launched the green lane for essential travel with Singapore. Japan is moving to ease travel bans with Singapore. So we're seeing the easing of travel restrictions and people are wondering, with this gradual opening up, what does this mean for hospitality, as you touched on? And what does this mean for malls? Uh, the the retail sector here? What do you think? Yeah, we think that for the malls, it should do better and recover faster compared to the 
hospitality sector. I mean, because hospitality sector it involves a lot of um, overseas travel as well, which I think it could take some time to fully recover. But in terms of the retail mall side, I think that with the um, domestic demand that is quite um, recover- recovering quite fast since the um, phase two reopening of the economy, that should actually recover faster compared to the hospitality sector. So in terms of retail sector, Mm -hmm. um, those malls, we see that more than 95% of the tenants are already operating now compared to around 25% to 40% during the circuit breaker period. And in terms of shopper traffic, we see that they are down by around 30 to 40%. This is the latest um, data given by Fraser Center Point last Friday, and this is based on the August data. And we continue to think that um, suburban malls will recover faster compared to the urban malls. And also bearing in mind that there are still some um, capacity restriction on the malls. So um, in terms of shopper traffic, we would still continue to see a gradual um, recovery there. Then in terms of the sales metrics, so what um, FCT have mentioned last Friday is that they are seeing that tenant sales actually improved quite a lot from the um, circuit breaker period. Mm-hmm. And it's now down by a few percent versus pre-COVID level. So that is very encouraging. And what they have seen so far is also that although they have seen um, a pickup in terms of online shopping, but that didn't really jeopardize the sales from the brick-and-mortar shops. So basically, it fits in well with our thesis whereby brick-and-mortar and online shopping could coexist. And a few reasons um, lead to that. Partly it's because that the shopping center floor space per capita in Singapore is small at around 6 versus some developed markets at around 23 in the U.S., and if we look at Australia, it's around 11, per, um, 11 square feet per capita. So we think that in Singapore, we are still considered low in terms of this um, shopping center for floor space per capita. And also the high population density here would also support the footfall in shopping malls. And the other thing to note is that the non-discretionary and experiential shopping is actually around 40 to 50% of the um, sales um, category in, in the shopping malls. So this would also help in terms of driving footfall into the malls. Ken Fung, also, mm, go ahead, Ken. Yep, sorry. Ahead. Yeah, we also see some initiatives by the mall operators in mm. terms of um, expanding the omni-channel. So we have seen FCT doing things like you can do click and collect or some grocery pickup. And they have also managed to um, route this service whereby you can actually order food from different restaurants or buy goods from the different shops within the same mall and then group them together and then deliver in one go to your household. So that actually saves a lot of time and is actually um, adding a lot of convenience for the shoppers as well. That's really interesting. Which mall is doing this group delivery? I'd like to know. It's mainly for Fraser Centre Point Plus, mm. and it's for all of the small. Yeah. 
Fascinating. Ken Fung is equity analyst at Morningstar. It was big news last week, CMT and CCT uh, sweetening their merger deal for unit holders. I'm talking about Capital and Mall Trust and Capital and Commercial Trust on Friday, throwing in uh, and announcing deal sweeteners for their proposed merger. Uh, what is your outlook there? Yeah, um, for Capital and Mall Trust and for Capital and Commercial Trust, we continue to view this um, merger as a near-term catalyst. And this is continue to be our top pick idea for Capital and More Trust and Capital and Commercial Trust. The reason being, we think that after the merger, the enlarged group will have a diversified um, 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 property types within its portfolio. It will have urban and suburban malls. It will have offices and it's mainly in Singapore CBD and also some um, hospitality assets as well. And also with this, um, they also have some integrated developments. An example of that is the newly opened Funan last year, and also Capital Spring that is still undergoing um, development currently. So these properties will have retail, office, and also um, hospitality inside that whole building. So we think that going forward, it will be a trend for them to expand in terms of um, integrated development. And this should bode well for the merged entity. And in terms of the sweetening of the deal, basically the main um, thing that they announced is that they won't be charging any acquisition fee. Right. So that will save them around like um, hundred over million dollars. So that is the main part where they have sweetened the deal. And I think for investors, um, when they own the merged entity, it should do well um, in terms of when there's market. Um, cyclicality because due to this um, diversified nature, it should help to support its more um, stable earnings profile. And they've also mentioned that um, they could look into investing in overseas assets as well, up to 20% of its portfolio. So currently, we know that for Capital Land Commercial Trust, they have some properties in Germany, in Frankfurt, that is still a very small part of the portfolio. Mm -hmm. So with this merger, we think that in the long term, they could continue to look into overseas opportunities as well. So it will continue to be our top pick. And we think that after COVID-19, for investors that are willing to look past it, um, the yields remain attractive at around 6 to 7%. And this remains as our buy idea. All right, he's Ken Fung, equity analyst at Morningstar. Ken, I was reading a report from DBS which said the worst is actually over for Singapore-listed retail REITs. The bank pointing to several factors, including the prevailing discount of about 0.84 uh, times to book value that Singapore retail REITs are currently trading at the moment as a compelling proposition for investors. Do you agree? Is the worst over for Singapore-listed retail REITs? Yes, yes. That, that actually is in line with our view as well, as we see the gradual improvement in terms of the retail sector. And we have seen so far in terms of the footfall, in terms of the tenant sales, although the suburban site would be growing um, or recovering faster than the urban site, but we also see encouraging trends in terms of the urban site. We have seen um, like Plaza Singapura, there has been um, encouraging signs of improvement there according to what CMT have announced um, last Friday, and we continue to view that as people gradually return to work 
and with all those um, travel um, restrictions gradually easing as well, we could see an improvement in terms of the downtown malls. This is Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin and I've invited today Ken Fung. He is an equity analyst at Morningstar to help me take the pulse of the Singapore REIT sector. So Ken, we know that there's going to be a bill debated in Parliament that's going to set out provisions uh, for expenses up to $8 billion. Parliament's going to debate this. And the question for investors, I guess, is which REITs are likely to benefit from government support packages and perhaps even the staycation business? Yeah, so what we have seen so far since the um, coronavirus outbreak is that the government has been very supportive in terms of those sectors that have been hard hit by this um, COVID outbreak. So mainly the hospitality sector and the retail sector stands to benefit the most from the government support schemes that have been announced so far. And we continue to think that that should be the case going forward given that um, government has always been uh, very supportive of these sectors. And these are the two um, hard-hit sectors within our um, REITs coverage as well. All right. Keppel DC REIT has seen strong momentum. DBS Group Research and CGS CIMB have raised their target prices for Keppel DC REIT. Uh, what is uh, Morningstar's view on this? Well, for Keppel DC REIT, our fair value is around $2.60. That is roughly a 10% um, downside. So we are um, two-star rated, which is a sell rating. And this is mainly because on, on the valuation side. So basically what we see is that in terms of the dividend yield that it is um, based on the current share price of around $2.90, the dividend yield is around 3 point something percent. And if we look at it historically, it has been around 5 to 6%. So in terms of the low dividend yield in terms of the high valuation. That is why we think that it is a sell in the long term. But in terms of the near-term performance, because that they are still very resilient and they are doing very well during this um, COVID-19 period, and also because of the low interest rate in environment, we think that in the near term, the share price could be supported at the current levels. So what we have seen so far is that since they have announced their strong um, performance in July with their second quarter results, we have seen the, the share price move up to around 290 to $3, which is the same as the current level. So since then, it has been moving sideways. So we think that in the near term, the share price could still be supported. But in the long term, we think that it will revert back to a more um, normalized valuation level. And that is why we think that there is a slight downside to it with around 10% downside. And in terms of the business for data center, mm. we think that this is a multi-business in terms of um, competitive advantage that they have. And this mainly comes from the high switching costs um, from their customers. Because we know that for data centers, it is a very um, mission-critical um, infrastructure that supports the day-to-day business operations mm. of their clients. And they also need to meet those um, regulatory and compliance requirements. They need to en- ensure there's sufficient power mm. and fiber connectivity, and also to be located in a safe environment with minimal risk factors such as natural disasters and flooding. So we think that um, 
once the customers have set up by putting in all their equipment into the data center, we think that there's less chance of them moving out of the data center, which bodes well for its um, high switching costs. Partly because of the cost of relocation after you have set up everything is quite high. And this comes in terms of like monetary costs, whereby your equipment that you have put in, it costs like around 10 to 20 million US dollar. And when you want to move to another data center, you actually need to replicate the whole system and run both of them in parallel for a few months during the relocation until you can see that, okay, the new system is running smoothly, then only you can get rid of the old system. So this is quite costly. And also the other thing with it is the risk in terms of like downtime or any business disruption that this may cause. So if you look at um, data center, mm -hmm. the rental actually makes up around 20 to 30% of the cost of running a data center. So in order for the tenant wanting to move to another data center, it needs to have a significant cost saving in order for it um, to entice it to relocate. So we, we can see that for Capital DC, they are doing very well in terms of um, their competitive advantage in this um, switching cost. And we can see that they have a high tenant retention rate of more than 90%. So that bodes well for it in terms of the motiness of the company, which we call it. And we actually rate it as a narrow mode company, which we think that they will consistently um, generate high um, returns over invested capital, more than its weighted average cost of capital for the next um, five to ten years, basically. Great talking to you as always. Keppel DC Re currently trading at $2.92, up 0.34%. You heard there Ken Fung from Morningstar, where he's an equity analyst, my guest this morning in Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.